Morning, everyone. Morning. Welcome to our service this morning, final service of 2023. So whether you're in church or at home, it's great that you have joined us. Uh, Reverend Shaw is on his Christmas break this week, so I'm delighted to welcome the Reverend Brian Gibson to our pulpit. Reverend Gibson, formerly Minister of Railway Street in Lisburn, is now residing in Donacadee and worshipping in Shore Street. So, Reverend Gibson, you are very, very welcome. We're delighted that you're here, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you. Now, I ask you to have a look at your order of service, please, and you will see some particular announcements in it. I attract your attention to the information from Isabel, our treasurer, regarding banking arrangements. So please, please have a look at that. Alpha resumes on Wednesday, the 3rd of January at 7.45 in the prayer room. And prayer time will be on again next Sunday at 10 o'clock. Now, this is not on your announcement sheet, but uh, Reverend Shaw asked me to draw your attention to the fact that on Tuesday, the 9th of January, in First Bangor, there is a special meeting of presbytery open to all members of the congregations dealing with confronting the challenge of abuse within our church. So anyone who wishes to go to that is very welcome indeed. There is a poster in the corridor that leads down to the kitchen. So if you want to get a wee bit more detail, you'll find it in that poster. And now I want to call Pat, please, who's going to make an announcement on Barry's big quiz. Good morning, everyone. I hope you all had a good Christmas and you're now feeling refreshed and rested and ready to go again. Well, if you need a wee pickup for the beginning of the new year, I have just a thing for you. The mission team warmly invite you to join us in Barry's Big Quiz, Friday the 12th of January at 7.30 p.m. in the Bradley Hall. Now we call it Barry's Big Quiz, but as you can see over there, he's always accompanied by his beautiful assistant, Heather, and she'll be there on the night as well to keep him right. We can guarantee you fun and laughter. Come and find out how much you know, and in my case often, how much you don't know, but that doesn't matter and nobody cares. Sometimes the made up answers give us more fun and laughter than the real ones. So gather your team together or just come along on the night and join one already there. It is a fun night, but at the same time, we will be supporting our mission projects in Peru and Rwanda by your donations. Recent videos that we've seen in church have shown us just how our support changes lives, and that's important. Please join us, invite your family, <coughs> your friends and neighbors to come along as well. They'll all be very welcome. If you are coming, please sign up on the sheets in the vestibule. There will be light refreshments served and it's to give us an idea of just how many we need to cater for. Thank you. I just want to share one final piece of information from you. Uh, you'll all be aware of the very sad passing of Jeff Crummy. Uh, Mark announced it last week. Uh, on Wednesday of this incoming week, uh, there will be a family committal for Jeff at 10 o'clock. And then at 12 o'clock here in church on Wednesday, there will be a service of thanksgiving for Jeff's life. So I do hope that all of you will be able to be here to support the family. 
Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Look forward to you taking our service. children got the boat back to Scotland and we breathed a sigh of relief. <laughs> it was lovely to have them home, but isn't it interesting that you get used to your own company? And when uh, family and grandchildren arrive, you, you feel a little bit out of, out of sorts, don't you? But it was, it was lovely to have them and I'm sure, and I hope you all had a uh, good family time uh, over Christmas. My thanks to Billy for his welcome. Uh, his sister was a member of my congregation in Lisburn and remains a member of that congregation. And his brother-in-law was one of my elders and my treasurer for a period of time and occasionally my golf partner. <laughs> so I have very happy memories of Hilary and Ken Kyle. So it's lovely to meet up with uh, Billy and you all uh, this morning. Now, as a call to worship, we're going to, I'm going to read the words of Psalm 121, which I think are very appropriate on this last Sunday of uh, 2023 and as we look into 2024. The words of uh, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. The lovely words of Psalm 121. Now let's join together in prayer. Our Father, as we come towards the end of another year, we pause to worship, to recognize that you are the eternal, unchanging God. You're the one who created everything that we see around us. You're the one who sustains all that we know. You're the one who created us in your own image and you breathed into us the breath of life. From you we came, and to you we will return. We thank you that you are the eternal God who is unchanging. You are the faithful God, faithful to your promises, and we thank you that in time you will bring us to the perfection of your eternal kingdom. As we pause to reflect, as we pause to give thanks, 
We thank you for watching over us during this past year. We thank you for the many ways in which you have provided for us. We thank you that you have been with us in good times and not so good times. We thank you for family and friends who've walked with us and shared in our joys and carried us in our sorrows. Our Father, we rejoice in all that you have been to us during this past year. We thank you today for the one who came, one who's, whom we have celebrated over these past days. We thank you for Christ, the one who came to be with us, the one who came to show us who you are and what your purpose and calling for us is in life. We thank you for the one who died on the cross for us. We recognize our need to be forgiven and we thank you that in Christ we are, our past is forgiven and we thank you that we can live in the hope of your eternal life. So as we worship you today, as we listen to your word, as we join in the singing of our hymns, we pray that you might speak afresh into our lives. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you might just come afresh to us and awaken us to who you are and what you want us to be. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now we stand to worship the, using the words of the lovely hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
Like, I'm, I don't know whether you've made any New Year resolutions yet or not, but I want to read a little portion of Scripture which contains what might be called uh, Paul's uh, New Year resolution. Uh, we're reading from Philippians chapter 3, just verses 10 to 14. But they're lovely words. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. And then what might be called a New Year's resolution, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The words of Philippians chapter 3. In uh, May of 1982, my wife Jean and I and our two uh, children, uh, Sarah Jane was just two at that at that stage, and our son Andrew was five. Uh, we waved goodbye to family and friends at Aldergrove Airport, and we headed off to Kenya, knowing that perhaps we wouldn't see uh, quite a few of them for uh, at least three years. In, in a sense, we were heading into the unknown. We were going out under the auspices of the uh, overseas board, as it was known then, and we were going to be working with the Presbyterian Church of East Africa. When we got out there, we, we joined the staff of what was called, what they called the Pastoral Institute. It was a training center to train lay people and ministers for uh, ministry uh, in the Presbyterian Church of uh, East Africa. We, uh, just shortly after we arrived, we were asked if we would consider to start to, to if we would consider starting a new program for them out there in Kenya, called Theological Education by Extension. In Kenya at that time, and to some extent, extent, extent still it's still the same. A minister could have as many as up to thirty congregations to look after. Now, ministers here think they're hard done by if they have two or three congregations, but a minister out there could have had up to 30 congregations. So he probably only visited each congregation maybe twice a year to baptize and to give communion. So most of the work within the church was being done by lay people. It was lay people who were preaching and teaching and looking after the running of the uh, different congregations, but most of them had no biblical or theological training at all. So the purpose of this program that we started was to train lay people to give them a little bit of understanding of how the Bible works together, to give them some basic understanding of 
theological issues that run right through uh, the, the Bible to give them an understanding of their Christian faith, to equip them to uh, be leaders uh, within local congregations. Just two months ago, Jean and I were invited to return to Kenya to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the start and beginning of that particular program. And over those 40 years, 12,500 people have completed the, the Theological Education by Extension program. During our eight years in Kenya, we prepared eight uh, courses. Uh, I traveled all over the country setting up local study groups and they studied these materials and uh, they took a little examination at the end of each course. Uh, and over the period of 40 years, uh, 12 and a half thousand people have completed that particular program. So we were invited back to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the beginning of that Theological Education by Extension program. At the conference which, where they were celebrating, one man shared his story. He had, he had been uh, in a maximum security prison near a, a, a town called Thika, and he was on death row. He was there because he had murdered someone. And during his time there, he was uh, encouraged to start studying theological education by extension, along with some of the other uh, prisoners who were also on death row. And through studying TEE, uh, he, he came to faith in Christ. And his life was completely changed. Eventually his sentence was commuted and he was released. And today he is an elder and a leader in a congregation out there in Kenya. When we try to follow God's will and make little decisions about what we'll do in life, we never know what the consequences will be. But what we simply have to do is try to be faithful to God's calling on our lives and allow him to use us to influence other people. And one day we will all find out the, 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 the consequences and the results of following God's will in our lives. Now, we're going to move on to sing our next praise, which is... Uh, uh, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. So let's stand and worship God as we sing uh, this hymn together.
Now we worship God as we bring our morning offering. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you that you have enriched and blessed us during the past year. We thank you that from your giving we return a little of what you've given to us. And we pray your blessing upon the use to which this money will be put. We thank you for the local and wider work of our church. We thank you for the 21 global mission workers who are working in eight different countries, financed by ourselves and others. We pray your blessing upon them. We pray that you would encourage them and guide them in their work. We pray your blessing upon our moderator as he continues throughout a new year to represent our church at home and overseas. We pray your blessing upon Sam and Karen and uh, we pray that you will travel with them and bless them in their ministry. So we give to you and we dedicate our offerings to you in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to join together in our prayers of intercession and uh, I want to just suggest topics to you and give a moment or two of quietness for you to turn those topics into a prayer allow the Holy Spirit just to guide you and uh, I want to encourage you to enter into praying for the different things that I will mention as we pray together. So let's join together for our prayers of intercession. And let's first of all pray for uh, the family of Jeff uh, Crummy, his wife, his daughter Lisa, son-in-law Andrew, and his son Simon. Let's pray for God's blessing and peace to be with them at this time of loss. Then let's take a moment to pray for your minister and his family at the end of a busy year and the beginning of a new year. Let's just pray God's uh, rest and peace and and refreshment on him and his family.
As a church family, you will be aware of those who are ill, those who are struggling. Can I encourage you just to take a moment to pray for someone within this church family who needs your prayer at this time. And then finally, uh, members of your own family, you probably have concerns for people within your family circle. Take a moment now just to pray for someone in your family who needs a healing, who needs encouragement, who needs peace and blessing in their lives. Then let's pray for our local political leaders as we come to uh, a crossroads in many ways in the political life of our country. As decisions have to be made early next year, let's pray for our political leaders that God will guide them, that they will look beyond personal and party politics for the well-being of our whole country. Our Father, we thank you that you've promised to hear us when we pray. We know that you don't always answer as we would want or we would like, but you answer according to our need. And so we bring these, our requests, to you today in Christ's name. Amen. We stand to sing the hymn, To God Be the Glory. Thank you. 
Well, I, I guess you've probably all started booking your summer holidays, have you? As soon as Christmas is over, you have to get the holiday booked. I don't know about you, but I've, I've noticed that sometimes when I go on holiday, if I'm away for a couple of weeks, I begin to want to get home. Have you ever had that feeling? Because there's no place like home. Sure, there's not. Uh, when Jean and I left for Kenya in 1982, we knew it would be three years before we were home. And that was quite a bit of adjusting too. And leaving behind family at the airport was, was, was quite difficult. <clears throat> and I realize now it was probably very difficult for uh, our parents to see their grandchildren heading off uh, to Kenya for, for three years. Happily, they were able to come out and visit us out there. I want to read a, a portion of scripture today which is about Abraham being asked by God to leave his family, his home, and go to a place that God would show him. He didn't know where he was being asked to go to, but he was asked by God to leave home and to go uh, at God's command. We're reading from Genesis chapter 12. Uh, verses 1 to 5, Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan and arrived there. I wonder how Abraham felt as he bid farewell to his family and set out at first not quite knowing where eventually he would arrive. I'm sure he felt a, a, a deep sense of, of loss to leave behind family and friends. He lived at that time in a place called Haran, which was, we're told, a place of moon worship, which uh, involved a lot of sort of pagan ritual. He was called by God to leave the idolatry of that place and to go and follow the true God to the place of his choosing. He was called to leave and to go. And when you stop to think about it, life is about leaving and going, isn't it? When we're born, we leave our mother's womb and we go into the world as we know it now. And after a few years, we leave home and we go to school. And for a few years, we attend school and then we leave it and we go. Eventually we leave home and we go out to establish our own home 
leaving and going. After schooling and our education, we uh, go into a profession which eventually we leave and go into retirement. And then, of course, for all of us, the time will come when we will leave this world, this physical world as we know it, and we will go into life beyond death. Life is about leaving and going for all of us, whatever our circumstances. And the call of God, the call that comes to us through Jesus, is a call to leave and to go. We see that call that came to Abraham repeated by Jesus uh, as he engaged with his disciples. In Matthew 4, we read, As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going out from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Wow. Jesus calls them to leave their father to leave their fishing business and to follow him, to follow him into the unknown. Jesus calls his disciples to leave and to go. Just a few months ago, we spent some time with my wife's cousin in uh, uh, Vancouver in Canada. As a young man, he sensed the call to leave Northern Ireland, and uh, he set off for Canada, arrived in Toronto and bought a, a motor home. Uh, he drove right across Canada to Vancouver, and there he lived in that motor home for a few years, working in what he calls a lumber factory, a timber yard. Eventually, he trained to be an estate agent or a real estate uh, agent, as they call them out there. Uh, and today he is, work, he is retired now from that particular business. He left home and he went. And life is, as I've already said, is a bit like that. We're called upon to leave and to go. Now, is Jesus calling all of us to leave our jobs and go out into the world and evangelize, as he called his disciples? Well, of course, the answer is no. For a few people, perhaps, there is a call into full-time Christian work, if you want to put it like that, although all of us are called into full-time Christian work, but you know that what I'm saying it's not a call to leave our jobs and head out to evangelize the world. It's a call to leave and turn away from all that's destructive and disruptive to ourselves and to others. In other words, the call of God is to leave 
in biblical speak, sinning. But as human beings, there's something within us that enjoys sinning. And we find it hard to leave it behind. Ladies, how many pairs of shoes have you in your wardrobe that you've never used? <laughs> why, why do we do it? It's because we're, 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 we're induced, we're seduced into feeding into a world of economic greed. A world that leaves millions working as virtual slaves, earning virtually no money. For men, it's a call to leave the destructive patterns of life that we so often slip into. Patterns of violence, control, pornography, etc., etc. We've got to leave these things behind. God calls us to leave and to go. He calls us to leave behind anything and everything which separates us from our maker and our share in his future. We live in a world today where we're told to, to be what you are. In other words, do what you want as long as it's right for you. Do what you feel is right. Be what you are. And in a sense, there's an element of truth in that because it's important that we are comfortable with our own abilities. Some of us struggle because we can't live up to or struggled earlier in life because we couldn't achieve what others were achieving. We've got to be what we are. We've got to be comfortable with our own ability in life and do what we're able to do. So in a sense, there is truth in the statement, be what you are, but that must be balanced by another truth. And that other truth is that there is something within us which causes us to veer towards destructive uh, behavior. It's called sin. We, we're missing the mark. We have a spiritual sickness which we struggle with and which tends to try and destroy our lives. We find it hard to escape the secular values of our current society. We live in a world that is motivated and an economy that is driven by materialism. We're encouraged to buy things we don't really need we're encouraged to buy too many copies of the things that we do need. And we're obsessed by self-image, aren't we? We want to look good. We want to look the same as everybody else looks. I've often wondered why so many people get tattoos. I hope nobody's going to be offended here. I don't want you to roll up your sleeves. Why is it that so many people are getting tattoos on their arms? Isn't it strange? We want to be the same as everybody else, don't we? There's a, there's a pressure to conform. I'm not suggesting that it's necessarily wrong. I just find it strange that so many people seem to want to copy what others are doing. The call of Christ, the call of God that came to Abraham, 
The call of Christ that comes to us is a call to take up the cross, to leave and to go. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, we read, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man would, will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Then Jesus went to work on his, went to work on his disciples. Anyone who intends to come with me uh, has to let me lead you're not, this is the message version of this particular verse. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself your true self. It's Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the words of Jesus. Jesus calls us to leave all that is destructive and to follow him. And in following him, we find a new kind of life. We find our true selves. We find a life that can never be uh, taken from us. Abraham didn't know uh, uh, Abraham didn't know where God was calling him to go to. The first disciples didn't really know either. And neither do we. We don't know what lies ahead, do we, in 2024? We don't know what lies beyond physical life. We can't uh, imagine, get our heads around of a life beyond the physical life. So we don't know what 2024 will hold for each one of us. No doubt there will be challenges. But Abraham knew God. He didn't know his future. But he knew God. And isn't that what is important? Knowing God uh, means that we can face the future with confidence and with peace, and with hope. We read from Psalm 121, didn't we, at the beginning, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Leaving is a challenge. Whenever we're called upon by the circumstances of life to leave the familiar and move into the unknown, it's uncomfortable. We're anxious. And to take up the cross and follow Christ in our secular, increasingly secular world is a huge challenge. It can sometimes mean rejection by other members of our family. It certainly will mean death to our own selfish way of living. It means that our, our ambitions for ourselves must be tempered by God's direction and guidance.
And it means that we must form friendships which are helpful to us in leaving and following Christ. But it will be deeply rewarding. This is what God said to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Truly following Christ is, is difficult, but it will always bring blessing to our lives. Knowing God means knowing ourselves and finding our true self and experiencing our true future. This is what Paul said. But one thing I do, leaving behind, leaving behind, uh, leaving behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. As we come to the end of uh, another year, quite soon, as we move into 2024, God calls us to leave and to go. Now that's true uh, for us as individuals, and it needs to be true for us as a community. We can't live in the past. We cannot uh, insist that structures of the past are relevant and right for the future. We have always got to be leaving and going. We've got to follow Christ into a new future. And that's certainly true for us as individuals. It's true for us as a denomination. We've got to leave behind the things that are no longer relevant to this generation. And it's certainly true for us as a, as a country. We, we can't live in the past. We must leave and go into the future, knowing that God will guide us and watch over us and be with us. And so I trust that you will know God's peace and blessing as we enter at 2024. So let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you that you are the God who holds the future as you hold the present. We do not know what lies ahead, but you know what lies ahead. We don't know what challenges we will face, but you know. And we thank you for the promise of Scripture that you will be with us and that you will watch over us and you will guide us. And so we commit ourselves into your keeping for the new year. We pray that you might help us to constantly be listening for the voice of your Spirit calling us to leave things that are unhelpful and destructive and help us to go into a life that is whole and, and, and wholeness and, and fullness of life. Help us to follow Christ as best 
we can. So, our Father, we commit ourselves to you in Christ's name. Amen. Our final hymn this morning is the lovely hymn, Lord, for the Years. into 2024. May the Lord go with you and watch over you and bless you. And may his peace and presence uh, journey with you throughout the days and months of this coming year. So may 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of you now and forevermore. Amen.